You guys, I've ran more today than I have in like years. So if I pass out, don't worry about it. I'll make it. Hey, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are, that we can be here together tonight. Thank you for your word. And God, I just pray you would teach us something new about yourself tonight. And uh, we just give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, did you guys hear the big, big news yesterday? The new iPhone? The new iPhone X, right? Well, I know, you all want to talk about it, it's this new thing. But, it was actually, there was a whole Apple event, right? And they had it at the Steve Jobs Theater, first thing to ever happen there. They unleashed the new Apple TV 4K, you're not as excited about that, okay? Or the Generation 3 Apple Watch, which is like completely waterproof. You can stream like a million songs. Maybe not quite a million, but might as well. 18 hours of battery life. And then the iPhone 8, which isn't really exciting because it's just like the 7, basically, right? I know, there's things. I know. I'm sorry. But then we have the iPhone X. Do you call it the iPhone 10 or the iPhone X? The X? Okay. But for those of you who didn't hear about it, it has the whole front of it is a screen. So there's no like border. Okay. Um, the, I watched someone like play a game on it and it was actually kind of cool. Right? Because the whole, the, the game fills up the whole thing. The whole thing. The coolest slash creepiest part is the facial recognition. Because there aren't, you don't need passcodes anymore. You don't need like touch ID. Literally, you put the phone up to your face and it knows it's you and it unlocks. But you hold it up to someone else and it won't unlock for them. Also, did you see that you can like bring emojis to life? So if you take a video of yourself to someone else, you know, like a Snapchat video or whatever, you can like be the smiley face emoji and it like, if you're angry, you can like, I guess it wouldn't be smiling then if you're angry. Whatever. But you can do it with like the poop emoji. So you can like be talking and it will kind of look like you but with the emoji. You guys are, I don't know. This is like the wave of the future, right? Now, the biggest talk today, though, as Bella pointed out, is the price. So the cheapest one is $1,000. And so I found some articles about all the things you could spend, well, $999, sorry. All the things you could spend $999 on instead of buying an iPhone X. Because they talk about how in, it's going to become obsolete in like six months, right? Because they're going to come up with better things. So how many of you enjoy a uh, pumpkin spice latte? Maybe not yet this year, but how many of you like to drink them? You can drink 235 of them, either that or the iPhone X. Some of you are like, iPhone X. You can um, sail to the Caribbean, which right now isn't in the best states. This is, I'm really just not convincing you to not get an iPhone X. You can spend nine days at Disneyland. You, you can see Billy Joel in concert ten times. Or once up close, like a meet and greet. Or you can invest your money, because obviously that's the best. Now, here's the thing. In India, since the, I don't know, with the inflation or what they're, so it's not like it costs $1,000 here so that in India it costs the equivalent. 
In India, how much it costs is actually the equivalent to more of our like $1,500. And so there's been people tweeting all these things like, my friend sold his kidney and bought an iPhone. Because they actually have other pictures where it's, you know, like payment options where you put in like Visa, MasterCard, there's a picture of a kidney. Because it's like costs an arm and a leg, right? Other things you can do for the same price, you can buy an Xbox One console and many games, right? You can run your house for months, you guys don't care about that, Um, right? You can sponsor a child for over eight years. Think about that. That for me was a little bit sobering. You can buy two iPhone 8s, basically for the price of, well, the more expensive. You guys don't even care, right? My recommendation, stick with what you've got, right? How many of you guys want the iPhone X? How many of you want it just because it's the new iPhone? Yeah. We'll see how that happens. Okay. Tonight we're in the book of John. Are you guys ready for a new year of youth group? Woo! Some of you, some of you have been here before, welcome back. Some of you, welcome back, Noah. (laughs) Some of you, for all of us, some of you have never been here before, welcome. For all of us, it's our first night here together. For a large chunk of the school year, we're going to be looking at this book right here, the book of John, which isn't within the Bible. And as I said, it begins on page 886, so hopefully you're there. The book of John is also known as the gospel according to John, okay? There are four types of these books in the Bible. Does anyone know the names of them? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay? They are right in order at the beginning of the New Testament. And each of these books talk about and they tell the story of Jesus' life on earth, okay? From the time he was born to the time he died and some after, right? Now, but each of them are a little bit different because you're like, why do we need four books that say the exact same thing, right? So some of them, they're all written to different audiences and coming at it from different angles. And actually, John is the most different of all the books. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. If you want like a heady term for the night, it's not even that big of a word. Synoptic, okay? They're like the same, okay? John does not fall under that, okay? John did things a little differently, and we're actually going to find out that John doesn't even include the birth of Jesus. I mean, what kind of guy leaves out the Christmas story? It's like the best story in the Bible, right? Because Christmas is the best. No, okay. But each of the gospel writers had a different purpose in writing their book. Of course, it's to tell about the life of Jesus and why he was here, but their emphasis changes a little bit. So John's purpose in writing this book, I'm actually going to have you turn some pages. I know it's going to be some work for you. Turn to page 907 so it's not too far, because he actually tells us in his writing, this is my purpose for writing this book. Not often in the Bible, sometimes we have to read the whole book in order to figure out the purpose. He says in chapter 20, verse 30, now, and it even, the heading says the purpose of this book, right? This is so easy. You guys, so easy. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. You will hear the word believe more times in the book of John 
than, other, than any other book. And, they're con- and it's connected to life. Belief and life. You're going to hear this over and over again, and that belief leads to life. And also, another part that is that Jesus is the Christ. A big theme, a big thing that John wants to get across is that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Our brains don't fully comprehend how that's possible. And we're going to talk about, through different stories, what that looks like. But that's what John wants to get at, that this is God coming in the flesh to earth through his son Jesus to us. This book was written actually to people who are in the church. And so for those of you who have been in the church all your life and you're like, yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus. We always talk about Jesus. Let's talk about something I have. Jesus. Okay, that's the answer to every Sunday school question. This book was written about Jesus to people who believed in Jesus. So, so don't think you're like, oh, I can just sleep for the next few months because I got this down. And those of you who haven't been a part of the church or you have, you're not really familiar with Jesus and this is maybe one of your first times hearing about him, you're like, I'm not so sure about this. This book was written to those people too. And it is just as important and applicable and you're going to learn a lot about Jesus. Aren't you guys excited? So my question I want you to think about tonight as we start off this year is what do you think about Jesus? I want you to be real and think about what, when I sit and think for a second or for a little bit longer, maybe even two minutes, I don't know how long your attention span is. Some of you it's less. What do I think about Jesus? What do you think about him? Maybe you don't really think about him. Maybe it's a name that comes up. Maybe it's a name you hear other people say, maybe in a context that his name shouldn't be used. Maybe you just hear about him on Wednesdays and Sundays. Maybe you've heard about him in passing, and you're like, oh, yeah, Jesus, he was a good guy. Oh, yeah, Jesus, he was born at Christmas. Oh, yeah, Jesus, he died on a cross. I know these things. Maybe you've thought a lot about him, or maybe you know a lot about him in your head, but you're not really sure what that means or what that means for you. Or maybe what you think, about, think you know about Jesus has come from what the world says about him. What the world had said about, you know, different issues that are going on, and and then they think that Jesus thinks a certain way about it. So what the world says about Jesus, or maybe simply what you feel when you hear his name. You just have a certain feeling, okay? There might be a whole different, a lot of things. In this book, John really gets to the heart of Jesus. And not that we don't learn Jesus' heart in the other books and hear about his mission and why he was here and the things that he did, But John goes a little bit deeper. John was one of Jesus' disciples, okay? When you think about the people who spent the most time with Jesus on earth, Peter, James, and John, they were like the guys, okay? Everywhere Jesus was, unless he was like off by himself praying, they were with him, okay? John was one of those guys. So we're getting firsthand information, okay? You want to know about someone and you're not going to, you want to hear from someone who's spent a lot of time with them, okay? So this is both God's word, because it's the Bible, and it's also written by John, who was right there with Jesus. The gospel, according to John. The word gospel has a different meaning now that Jesus has come. Before that, the word gospel you would have heard outside of a religious context, outside of a church, outside of all these things. It literally means good news. Gospel, good news. 
And during that time that John was writing, they would have used it not like really common, like every day, okay? But they would have been familiar with this term. Timothy Keller, he's an author who writes a bunch of books. He wrote a book called King's Cross, and it says his definition of gospel is a gospel is an announcement of something that has happened in history, something that's been done for you that changes the status of history forever, okay? It's history-making, life-shaping news, not just like, hey, what's happening in the Brainerd Daily Dispatch or the Echo, okay? It's like this happened and it changed the course of history. How often do we come, my question is, how often do we come to the Bible with that mindset? So often I think we come almost with, we're looking for maybe like a self-help book or like advice. You know, if I come to church and I walk away with one thing that's going to make me a little more successful in life, that's good. Or I'm struggling with this one thing and I'm just going to flip open a page in the Bible and I'm going to be like, yes, I feel that. Or we say, you know, I want my five-step plan to just being happy. You know, people come just for advice on life, how to live, right? And even though the Bible has a very good description and a good depiction of who we are to model our life after, it is not a book of advice. It's a book of good news. It's a book of the best news. The best news you could ever hear in your life. It's not just a gospel, because there were a lot, there was a gospel of Julius Caesar or a gospel of this or that, right? This is the gospel. The word gospel now, every time you Google it, you look for a definition, all has to do with Christ. It all has to do with what happened in this book because it, more than anything else in the world, everything else pales in comparison to the good news, the great news that is found in this book. Let's get into it. John chapter 1, verse 1. So sorry, you have to flip back. I spilled um, water on this page, so it's easy for me to flip back. It's already kind of just bookmarked for me. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some of you are like, I wish we would have just started with, like, there were angels in the sky, and they said Jesus was coming, because that is a little maybe easier to understand, right? He's like, why couldn't we have started with the Christmas story? Okay? We're going to go through this a little bit, though, because it's, it, even though it's a little confusing at first, and you're like, what just happened? If we read a little bit more and we have a little patience, we can learn a lot from what it's talking about, right? So the word, right in the beginning, the beginning was the word. The word, word. I know it's confusing because in English they're the same word, but in the original language it was written, it's not the same word. The capitalized word is logos, okay, logos, however you want to pronounce it. Capitalized word, word, we know that that's a clue for us because it's a proper word, right? It has a capitalized letter at the beginning. We know that the word, whatever or whoever it was, was there in the beginning, right? It says that. In the beginning was the word, right? So it was there in the beginning. We know that it was with God, right? Because it says, 
and the word was with God. And the word was God. Okay, so we just found out three things. It was there in the beginning, it was with God, and it was God. Okay, but what, 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 what's going on? Okay, and then it starts with verse 2, he. Oh, that's another huge clue. It says he. So we know that word is a person because John just called him he, right? I'm going to keep reading so we can start to figure out who this is. Many have already, have already figured it out. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came, side note, whenever John, who wrote this book, talks about himself, he does not say his name. So when you see the word John in this book, he's not talking, the writer is not talking about himself. Okay, so we're, we're talking about a different John. Okay, keep that in mind. And side note. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Also, we are going to talk about this man, John, that John is talking about. It's confusing. I know. Next week, we're going to talk about him. So I'm not going to really talk about it much this week, other than that we know that he came before this man who was called the Word, and he kind of paved the way. He said, hey, this guy, he's coming. Right? Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, you're like, whoa, Wabby, that's a lot. So, what have we learned so far about this word, person? Okay, he was there from the beginning, right? He was with God, and he is God. We also read that in him was life. Okay, we also know that he's not only the, he's not only the light, he's the true light. So when John was writing this, other people would have heard about people who are the light or deities, you know, being lights. This is like the true light, okay? No one else is the light. He is, everyone else is an imposter. He came to the world, became flesh and dwelt among the people, right? It says that. He was the only son from the father and he has shown his glory, that doesn't necessarily mean, sometimes when we think of glory or of, of a person showing glory, we think like, ah, you know, like they have like a light just coming off of them, okay? That's not necessarily what they're talking about. We're going to get more into that too because the book of John talks a lot about glory. And he was full of grace and truth. Any guesses who John is talking about? Jesus. Come on. Okay, one more time. Jesus! I just love that because that's just so Sunday school right there. Jesus! He's talking about Jesus. We don't even see Jesus' Jesus name until verse 17, but yes, that is who he's talking about. Now that we know that that's who he's talking about, I want to go back to verse 1 and point a few things out for us, okay? As we start 
to get a little bit deeper in our knowledge of who Jesus is. Now, I told you that John doesn't start this book with, like, with the Christmas story, with the birth of Jesus, like other of the gospel writers have. He does something different. He connects this story all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning was Jesus. Okay? Jesus existed before he was born on this earth. Jesus existed from the beginning. The story of Jesus, who he is, why he came, who he is now, didn't start in a stable. It didn't even start when the angel came to Mary. Jesus was there from the beginning. And we know that because it says, in the beginning was the word. When God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus was a part of that. Before that, Jesus was there. He always was. Sometimes people hand out books. They just hand out the New Testament. Have you ever been handed one of those? You're like walking through a mall. They used to hand them out. Like, I remember the end of fifth grade. People are like, hey, here's a New Testament. I'm like, okay. But they hand them out. And I just, part of me just wants to like cringe a little bit because yes, I know it's good that people are getting part of the Bible who don't have the Bible or maybe you haven't read it. And then some people hand out just the book of John, which again, I'm like, okay, good. Like they're getting a part of the Bible when they haven't read the Bible. But do you realize that when you cut the New Testament out of the Old Testament, that it's like taking a novel that you've read, okay? Maybe that you haven't read. And going two-thirds of the way through and saying, hmm. We don't really, I mean, you don't need to read this first part. There's nothing really important in this first part. Some of you were like, I can't believe you're doing that to a book. But you were like, really? Some of you were like, that's a good book. Some of you were like, I hated that book. Don't be distracted by the book. Some of you, this is what we do when we say, I'm just going to read the New Testament. I don't really care about what happened in all two-thirds of the rest of this book. Or it's too long, it's too confusing, I'm just going to stick to this. It's like saying, hmm. <laughs> Alicia nodded a greeting to Mary. and dipped. Okay, it's like... Who's, who are these people? And so, so John's saying, okay, when we talk about Jesus, the reason why he came happened a long time ago. It happened at the beginning or from before, the be in the beginning of this book, at any rate. And so when he says that, we need to, when we're talking about Jesus, we're going to connect to some of the things that already happened. Because why Jesus came already happened. So we need to know, already happened obviously from present date, but even happened before we started reading. So we need to, we're going to look into some of that. John wants to emphasize that this story doesn't start here, that this story has been going on for a really long time. This story is bigger than what you think it is. This story is, this news is greater than what you think it is. And I would say the same thing is true for us. This story is bigger than what you think it is. What you think of Jesus, I, he's greater. What he did was greater. The impact that it can have on her li our lives is greater the readers back then would have had, like I said, different gods or deities. 
And they would have worshipped other gods and said that they were the light or said all these things. And again, John's like, this is, this is the real deal. Nothing else matters but what happened here. John's like, in verse 9, the true light. He was from the beginning, and even though he came, and he wasn't even received by the people that he came to. In fact, they rejected him, and they ended up killing him, right? He put on flesh. This flesh that gets scarred and wrinkly, and this body that gets hurt and achy, cuts and bruises, he put on flesh and dwelt among us, and his glory was shown while he was here. And I'm not just talking about, ah, light shining around the head. This visual that John uses of Jesus, this light in the darkness, and he connects again back to the beginning. Imagine pitch black, and then all of a sudden, there's light. Have you ever been in a pitch black room before? Like, you can't even go like this and see anything in front of your face. I just got a little <laughs> sick like doing that. Imagine though, pitch black and the contrast of all of a sudden there's light. And he uses that contrast of what Jesus was when he came and what he is. And even though in his time on earth, Jesus was rejected by many and not well received because they just didn't get it at the time. Many people still don't. They didn't see what was right in front of their faces. And to those who did get it, to those who believed in his name, got to be a part of God's family. Get to be a part of, but got to then. Those who believed who Jesus was, who he said he was, those who believed that he could do and would do what he said he did, gave the right to be called children of God. I'm going to read the last three verses of that section. Verse 15. John, who again isn't the writer, right? It's this other guy, John, who we're going to talk about next week. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Well, yeah, he was from the beginning. <laughs> For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus, being on earth, made him known. Jesus, being on earth, brought, brought grace and truth. And I can't even tell you how much we're going to get into that. I know a lot of tonight is just saying, like, wait for it. It's coming. Jesus was a person, but Jesus is still a person. I know we don't think about that often. But he is, because we can have a relationship with him. And he came to be the true light, the only source of life. So my question again tonight for us is, what, what do you know about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? At the opening of the Apple event yesterday in the Steve Jobs Theater, they opened up and um, Steve Jobs had, there was a monologue of him, and he, di he passed away in 2011, so he wasn't there, um, but they had just a blackness in his voice speaking, and the way he spoke about Apple and what his desire was through this company to make an impact, to be that difference, to create something new, in, in essence, 
And actually, he was quoted at one point, not in that monologue, but a different time of saying, we're going to put a dent in the universe. He said, the people who are crazy enough to think they're going to change the world are the ones who do. His goal through Apple was to make your life more connected, make your life easier, make your life what you want it to be. And I think it's safe to say, as I've been thinking about this over and over again, that Timothy Keller's definition of gospel, Steve Jobs would say he's done that. He has, made, he has done something to change history to impact you and me. And even when they unveiled the iPhone X yesterday, they made it into a big, like, this is the next thing. This is going to change your life. You will never be the same again because of this, this new invention, this new thing. From the iPhone, in the first iPhone in 2007 to what they're saying about the iPhone now, X now, it's just, this will change your life. And we do, we get excited about these things too. I got excited about watching this poop emoji face. Maybe not the poop emoji, I could do without it. But we get excited about these things and we can't wait to see what the future holds, what's going to be the next thing, right? And even the phone you have now, if you have a phone, you say, I can't imagine life without it. If you don't have a phone, that's great. Try going a couple hours without your phone and see how life is for a little bit. Because we say, I can't imagine life, some of you are like, <laughs> I don't, what? I don't know what you're talking about. That is the gospel of Steve Jobs. The gospel of the smartphone. Something that changed the world, right? But you guys, no matter how much you think you can't live without your phone, no matter how much you think that changed your life or you maybe have not known anything but, that ain't got nothing on the gospel. The true gospel. That ain't got nothing on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the best news. It is bigger than any announcement of whatever you will ever hear in your entire life. When you have a child someday, you are going to be so excited when you hear that that's happening or when you had that child, right? That's an announcement that you're going to be like, this is the best news ever. This is the best news ever. Now, I'm not saying that having a child isn't awesome. Yeah, right? This is the best news we can ever hear. It's real and it affects our daily lives. That's the Jesus that we get to know, that we can know. The giver of life, true life. And knowing him, truly knowing him, really changes absolutely everything. And we're going to dig into it this year. Let's pray. Lord, you are the giver of life. You have existed from before we can even, our minds can fathom. You created the universe. You created all that we know, and yet, for some reason, you desired to have a relationship with us. And you sent your son to earth on a mission that changed everything. I pray that each of us in this room would come to a deeper understanding of who Jesus was on earth, who he is, and who he can be in our lives. That this message was written for the church makes it even more eye-opening because I think sometimes we just, again, just say, well, Jesus, and I apologize for that. 
I pray that this would be something that we would get excited about again. There would be a fire in us that we just can't wait to hear more. Thanks for tonight. Be with us in our small groups. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the next half an hour, you're going to be with your, in your small groups. Hold on for a second. I'm actually going to have the ladies go first because they're going to leave this room and go to their small groups. You're going to be with your small, hold on. Fellas, if you can please stay seated. I know you're staying in here, so if you can just stay seated while the ladies get out and then you guys can go to your groups. Small group leaders, please have your, group, your people in your group fill out those connect cards first thing. Otherwise, you might forget. There's a whole pile of them back there. Aren't they the best? Thank you, gentlemen. You can get into your groups.